The heroes navigate the labyrinth of the vaults, its twisting corners and corridors, bridges and overhangs create a confusing sense of claustrophobia. They made their way to a room that overlooks the old arena. In this room were two squabbling poltergeists. The risk and challenge they exposed through the heroes gave them reason to try and reason with the restless spirits. And through the simplest of things, directions to the labyrinth, the spirits depart. After curiously poking around the room and leaving a little richer of magical treasure, the heroes found a heavy portcullis. Gilda was the one to overcome this terrainical obstacle. <laughs> she drank an alchemical substance, a mutagen that gave her more raw strength beyond her normal capabilities. Forcing the gate open, the heroes were set upon by an assassin shadow. And Lady Gilda, still under the effects of the mutagen, became the hammer and the shadow the nail. Though that solution to this problem was not a wise course. Gilda nearly lost her shadow and subsequently her life. And now her god and Rory has frowned upon her actions. So I was thinking, that's not like you. As uh, as dangerous as it is, oh boy, <laughs> about uh, the current situation in, in the game, and uh, you know this that what just happened, Lady Gilda, uh, and the whole thing. And I was thinking, you know, she uh, she had a moment there, whether she meant to or not, uh, of a bit of bit of rebellion against uh, what she might consider part of the establishment that that governs over her her life and her philosophy and all that. James going to, of course, tell me if I'm wrong as we go on. But I, what I was wondering, what it got me thinking about was, uh, what are what are the what are the small things that you guys do to rebel against any sort of establishment? Like, what are, what is your what is your like sort of um, uh, malicious compliance or <laughs> or or a sort of thing? I'll give you I'll give you a really dumb example. 
Uh, I've always really enjoyed rocking the disheveled look. I don't like maintenancing my beard. I, I let my hair just kind of grow. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, put any product in it and I don't get it cut or, or trimmed in a certain style, uh, really ever, <laughs> maybe, maybe once a year. Um, and I've been told so many times by restaurants, like, oh, you need to, you need to trim that. And I'm like, do I though? Uh, is this and- a long con for <laughs> trying to justify your laziness? Yeah. Is that what's going on right now? Oh, it's, it's a, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, I hate, I, <laughs> I despise the, I despise the act of, 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 uh, maintaining my, I didn't know poor personal like, just, hygiene was an act of rebellion. I hate it. Oh no, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm not groomed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have a, a specific structure to it all. And, uh, and I always just love telling people like, no, like what, what, what do you need from me? Like I've been doing service for a long time. Like my service stands for itself. You don't, you don't need my beard to be a certain shape you can piss off mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's i've always kind of been been doing that for for as long as i can remember for as long as i've been told you need to look cleaner i'm like no i'm, I'm plenty clean you just want me in a different shape piss off um so is any, anyone any one of you guys do something like that <laughs> on the regular yeah mine's pretty casual i just uh basically just stay strapped up all the time you know walking around in public got my heater in my uh in my waistband <laughs> That's it. Nothing big. You're just, always you're always packing. You're always packing. Yeah, dude. Just fucking <laughs> half stepping with my weapon off safety, nonstop. <laughs> so that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't. Just a. I. My number one rule is I just don't snitch. Just don't snitch. Yeah. yeah I don't care what I've seen happen. What if it's a safety issue at work? Oh, that, but I'll bring it up to the person. Okay. I deal with everything if, head on. All right. And if and if they say, piss off, I don't care, then do you snitch? Uh, usually other people will be around and they'll okay. allow them to do so it. So if you were to yeah, encounter yeah, a it's snitch, a good, good way to would you it. give them anything? <laughs> because I've heard that... Um, uh, call them A, they could have a stitch or two, uh-huh. or call B, they could live in a ditch. <laughs> okay. <or two. laughs> wanted to check the check the sitch yeah it just depends you know <laughs> oh okay anyone else oh my god that was gold <laughs> i like following the rules i'm a, a good little rule following <laughs> now that weed's legal it's all well, good baby in a hospital so it's probably for the best <laughs> good guy dunk dog i don't i don't know if i yeah i don't know if i buck any traditions or 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 like expectations any more than than a regular human being uh yeah i, I, would, don't, I don't know man i would i would argue against that uh for you because i think you you don't you don't do most things like other people so you get really mad at other people all the time when they expect you to do uh inconvenient but everyday normal things <laughs> Well, I mean, it depends on the normal thing, right? Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't know if that's like that. That's that's it intentionally being antagonistic. So yeah, much that's as right. It's 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 just my nature as a human being. That, be I guess that's uh, that. That would be my point. Is that you don't. You, my question was, what do you do intentionally? You don't really do any of them intentionally, <laughs> but you, but you no, do. No, I just I embrace who I am and what yeah. what makes me happy. And yeah. if you're gonna do something fucking backwards and stupid, I'm gonna tell you about it. <laughs> I'll be nice about it the first time, and then the second time, not so much. I mean, that's actually a, a fairly decent parallel to the situation here because it's like a, a 
you know, for lack of a of a um a less cheesy phrase, so really living in the moment kind of thing. And that's kind of what Lady Yola just did. Really took that mutagen and just lived it for that sixty yeah. seconds. She's uh, a firecracker. It's her <laughs> rum it, uh, spring out. She came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, when uh, did Miley get here? <laughs> um, God, Scott, put your clothes back on. Uh, Miley doesn't the, snitch uh, either. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I, I would believe that. She doesn't seem like a snitch to me. <laughs> no, that chick's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that she's a cool person. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, on that same topic too, uh, as as per the uh, mode of operations that uh, well, I mean, at least I tend to work have have worked with with this podcast. After the fact, I'm always reanalyzing what decisions I made on the fly to make sure everything was legit. And we are going to change a little bit of something. Oh, yeah, a bit of a dramatic ending there, and I don't want to I don't want to pull the the rug up from that. But but um with a little more looking at how anathema works which we haven't really explored for a while uh, not even really off mic and um and what it might mean especially compared to these curses um uh i have decided on how i'm going to approach the overcoming of this curse and that approach has dis- has uh in turn made me decide to change the curse um and it's gonna go from the moderate to the lesser curse or the minor curse but that's not for the purposes of how powerful they are but rather the context of the curse um so you guys might remember that uh, the moderate curse gave lady gilda a clumsy two and encumbered condition which is pretty brutal mm-hmm. um but I, I think i like that especially since so far she's received one minor boon only and uh, I kind of like the idea of starting a bit low. Um, and, and we're looking at the anathema of Irori. And one of the things is repeatedly failing to maintain self-control. I think this is the first time we've seen in this show of her losing some self-control. Uh, and so it's not a repeated issue. It's a singular moment. And it's the curse is meant to say Irori is watching. And I want her to have a reason and a method to overcome um, his, uh, his ire. And so the minor curse is a bit different in that uh, you're basically reminded to not treat every problem as a nail um, and you just being a hammer, um, which is kind of what she did. And uh, basically, from from until I say otherwise, um, if there is a check in which the higher bonus... Um, sorry, I'm just going to read a verbatim here so I don't get confused. If you select a check for which you have higher a higher bonus when another method would have been more appropriate for the situation, such as using deception to lie through life because it's your mod- uh, highest modifier, even if it would be better to reach com- a compromise with diplomacy, you must roll the uh, twice and take the lower result. So if I decide that something with a lower bonus in Lady Gilda's repertoire is more appropriate than her highest bonus one um, and would, would also achieve a similar success, then when she chooses to use that higher one, I'm going to call for roll twice in the lower. Um, and the more she can avoid that, uh, the closer she becomes to, comes to redemption, as it were. Does that make sense to everyone? Yep. So this is her written warning from Aurori, and uh, she's on a probationary. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's uh, been given disadvantage on skill checks when you decide, <laughs> until you decide. So yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Actually, if anything, it's maybe verbal warnings. It's verbal, written, and then okay. fired. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so step one. Wow. Yeah. What um, if, what if Gilda turned into like a fallen paladin? I don't know what the rules are for that in this, but we actually kind of discussed that a little bit mm. off mic, and she wouldn't. Yeah. Um. She would. She'd actually probably just shrug off her six levels of of uh, paladin at this point and retrain as a fighter. Yeah. Uh, she would leave the adventure for sure. I Shrug think. off those epaulets. I think um, effectively, if if she were to commit proper anathema, she would lose the divine power of everything. I would still like allow her to keep like her reaction, um, yeah. but not with the defensive part of it, where she can defend from damage. She would just be able to strike. You know, anything martial would stick, but anything uh, non-martial would would disappear. And then from yeah. there, like retraining to to a whole new class, especially at, the, at a higher level or whatever, would take a long, long time. So it would require. Um, a shifting in um, yeah characters. rules is written if she commits a proper anathema she loses her divine ally and her focus pool so mm. it would be it would be more more intense than that to lose like her her reaction and her her paladinic yeah. abilities we also looked in like a, an alignment shift as well and if she were to be under the same god she could actually shift to lawful evil with Aurori technically well, and become you a, looked like, at an alignment shift. Yeah, no, I was like, what if what if an alignment shift happens? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like this is like uh, the one character where I don't <laughs> see that happening. Oh no, I I never I could never see it happening. But I was like, imagine if she went from good to evil in a moment for some reason. She could actually maintain her powers, stay under Aurori, but she'd have to become a tyrant uh champion. Yeah. And it would be a pretty, pretty significant change in power and dynamic. <laughs> but yeah. it's kind of a cool idea that it can happen. Tyrants are pretty metal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> in any case, um, let's get to the game, shall we? Lady Gilda's laying on the floor, feeling a little worse for wear, and feeling feeling as though her, her best is not always going to be good enough. That's the general sense of, of what she knows best, what, she, what she's most capable of doing. Um, just this sinking feeling of that it's not always just because she can do it doesn't mean it's the right path. And it's probably a very humbling experience to think the things I don't know are just as important in the right situation. What do you guys want to do? Is everyone okay? And uh, Tulak looks about the room as his eye single pupil reappears and the skeleton champion is dismissed and collapses to the floor. Lady Gilda, are you well? He takes a knee beside her. Wait, are you on the ground? Yeah, she's still on the ground. She's laying prone, um, and she's just like shivering as her her essence was essentially pulled out of her, and she's still kind of coming around from that. Though she she does have health, like her shield is broken. Her other shield is broken. And her morale is kind of broken at this point as well. And yeah. this this feeling of existential dread just settles in on her as she knows she's been essentially reprimanded by her deity. Like, this is probably the first time it's actually felt like she's had direct interaction with Aurori. She's had a boon before, but she believes that, you know, that was more due to her actions than Aurori, like, actually putting an eye on her. Mm-hmm. But this, this feels like daddy's watching. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like it when you say it like that. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't feel good. <laughs> Nor is it meant to. So Tulak takes a knee beside her. Gilda, are you okay? I, 
I'm alive, if that's what you're asking. <sighs> and has her shadow returned to her body? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, it has. All right. Tulok uh, puts a hand on your shoulder, and he will use the healer's gloves on you for 13 uh, health points. It says here, I know you took much damage in that fight. Here's some back. That creature. Her shivering like kind of subsides a little bit as as you give her a little bit more health. Krucko, with his rage subsiding, will uh, walk over and say, uh, I'll gesture towards Lady Gilbert and say, I see you. Uh, you seem to have broken your shield. A wise athlete once said, uh, the best defense is a good offense and vice versa. May I? And he will attempt a crafting check on one of the shields. <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> and vice versa. Okay. I'm also, I'm also kind of giggling at, at, at Tulak's like, ah, I see you took much damage. And I'm just thinking like, no, anytime James ever burned himself in the kitchen. Oh, did you get some burn damage there? <laughs> there. <laughs> just cut yourself uh, off. Persistent that time you hurt your thumb, Scott. Did you get some bludgeoning damage? Did you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually really glad you corrected that, Scott, because I don't, in my mind, this shadow fight, like it didn't actually draw any blood. It just pierced yeah. her and was drawing her essence out of her so i think True that enough. was that was a good good move on your part mm-hmm. um so like physically other than her shield she appears fine she's just rattled yeah, at this point like strength and life force being pulled blood coagulates essence yeah. doesn't well and on top of that you know the mutagen wearing off and stuff like that you know like she's she's not a hundred percent sure kind of what happened mm-hmm. like i if i remember correctly that mutagen dropped her wisdom as well so yeah something like that so what was your crafting check there uh there champ did you, did you drop that <laughs> do notice? i uh need to talk about it yeah i do it was a 13 with a three on the die so um Trago will just look at it oh, well it looks fine to me actually <laughs> uh can you roll a is it 1d8 or 2d8 is that a critical failure yeah, 15. It's, oh no, it's not. DC 19. Okay, so you, uh, no, it's not a critical failure then. Just a broken, good, not getting fixed material. Yeah. Tulok also pulls out a flask from his pocket and with it, three glasses um, that come with the flask and just puts a little bit of whiskey and he says the word whiskey as he pours it and he hands one to each of them and he says oh wait is this is this the flask of fellowship yeah and he says uh, I, I, I freeman sorry i am sorry sorry you don't i don't think you choose the spirit but rather whatever is poured is exactly what the drinker wants yeah but he's priming the pump by saying whiskey which is fun yeah so, i mean if you all true. want whiskey that's cool. true. But I want to know what everyone wants in this moment. I weirdly have yeah, whiskey a on choice. I don't know. You get a choice of uh, wine, spirits, hot ginger tea, or cold water with lemon. Oh, for example. For, no, for no, example, you whatever you want. Anything. Yeah. I want a straight cup of honey. A single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's whiskey for her. And, you know, she sits out there. And uh, she pull. I think she probably pulls her blanket out of her bedroll and just kind of like wraps it around her. She's she tries to get warm and make sense of, of what happened with her restored faculties and consciousness. 
Um, I would like to take at least an hour here if you guys are cool. Yeah, Rucka cool. is down um, about 40 HP. So. Yeah, so after giving you both the glass, he says, I know the road has been hard and will continue to be that way. But you both fought well, and we have survived yet another dangerous encounter here. And we should keep going. I just want you to know that I'm ever so happy to have you both at my side. And there's no one else I'd rather be down here with. Because you both make me feel safe, and I hope I return the favor. And does a little cheers. And then he rolls a natural one on his diplomacy. I was just doing this for flavor, just to boost you guys up. <laughs> and then a natty one. He spills his glass on What himself. was that? I wasn't listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you can have... Uh, how much do you... How, how far are you down, Uh 43. Um, you can try a uh, medicine check on yourself. No, if we're going to hang out here for an hour, you can just go back to Max because she will heal from the compass and she can just lay on hands every 10 minutes until you're full. Uh, Tulak, are you down at all? No, sir. Okay. So we'll both, everybody will be back to full health, but she still feels a little, a little cold. Not like, not physically, but more like, like something's missing. Um, and she, I don't think she quite has figured out that or this this minor curse has been bestowed upon her. It just, it just feels like she doesn't have everything she had before entering this room just yet. Did you forget your keys? I did not. What about your skeleton keys? There's a spooky key inside my other keys. Can you can you do five more repair checks for me, Duncan? <laughs> Well, given their track records, <laughs> one of them has to be good, and one of them will probably be very bad. First one's a natural 20. Okay, sweet. And what is what is your craft? Uh, plus 10. You're like, oh, wait, it is broken. <laughs> no, no, what what uh, what rank are you? Uh, trained. Okay, so it's 25. Oh, I see the problem. It was cleaved in twain. Okay, can you do another one for me, please? 14. Just... 14 is a fail. This one was clean, cleaved in Samuel Clemens. Uh, 23. That's Mark Twain's real name, by the way. 23. I don't get it. It's still uh, making me laugh. Success. So that's another 10 back. Okay. The number four. 19, I believe, is a meet to beat. Meet to beat. Okay. So that one's full. Do you have the DC for the spell shield there for me? Uh, it's DC 22. Okay. Uh, can you roll another one there, please, Duncan? 23. Just barely. Uh, so that'll be 10 back to that one. S-H-I-E-L-D. There, I spelled shield. Right, and one, one last one. <laughs> oh, one last one, you say. Net one. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Roll me. Uh, it's a 2d6 for the spell guard. Yeah, 2d6. Uh, five. S H O O L D. Shield. Okay. So the spell guard is still broken, but her sturdy shield is back. Uh, so that's that's good enough. Uh, and obviously, we can cut all that. <laughs> nah, it was good stuff. <laughs> recap for the listeners. Yeah. Disagree. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we'll see so what that's comes. That's the only recap. Rush. It's just that sequence. <laughs> 
Okay, so after after an hour, everybody's healed back, and uh, Kroka has managed to finish, uh, fix Gilda's um, sturdy shield, but not the spell guard. So, uh, I think her with her confidence a little shaken, she's she's probably ready to get back to it. You're also wounded. You didn't t- do treat wounds, did you? No, I'm actually going to do that right now, just to try and get rid of it. Um. But it only gets rid of it on a critical success. Is that right? No, it's a regular success. Well, does it magical sure. healing? Yeah, the wound condition yeah. ends if someone successfully restores hit points to you with treat wounds, or if you are restored to yeah. full hit points and rest for, and rest for ten minutes. So you're good, actually. Oh, okay. Keep that twenty three for That's later. Good, then. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. sixty so episodes she's... in, <laughs> we just figured. Yeah, that. right. <laughs> well, we just we so often treat wounds, but with, yeah. <laughs> with the compass and needing an hour anyway just to chill. So, mm. uh, okay, so she she good. All right. So, was there anything left of those uh, shadow creatures when they died? Mainly in the main shadow. Nope. Okay. Uh, Not lock- even a shadow. Oh. Too locked to text magic. He's standing by the south door. Uh, yeah, you detect a small amount of magic. What school, sir? Ooh, you always want to know the school. Um, it is a school or tradition. 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 Um, what's the difference? Tradition is like primal, divine, occult, and oh, okay. And the other one. <laughs> Why would anyone need ever need no, to know that? I lied. It's school. Okay, and school is like necromancy, yeah, abjuration, yeah, yeah. conjuration. It's uh, I believe this is. I uh, just uh, mm, eh, my my. Uh, I don't actually have it here oddly enough. I usually do, but I think it's um. Uh, there's definitely some necromancy. Oh, some. Definitely so it could be healing potions. Could just be a room of healing potions. Could be. That's what it is, isn't it, Freeman? It's a room full of healing potions. Yeah, could be. We, we just wasted all that airtime. You could have just drank a bunch of potions. Tulak pulls out the wand of magic missile and opens the southern door. <laughs> all right, Gilda gets into her defending stance before he does. Kraka is scouting. <laughs> all right. I open the door to a small room that's like what, ten by or five, yeah, ten by fifteen, um, and there's an old weapon rack um, to the south, and a door to the east, um, and the weapon rack is just dusty and filled with nothing. But there are a couple of small things on it actually. Um, there's like these these weird little. Um, there, there are a couple of uh, what I should say is there's not there's no weapons on it, but there are a couple of long hollow um, proboscises, proboscis, oh, proboscos sitting there, emanating some magic. They're talismans. They're talismans. Just gonna throw it up there. Um, they're bloodseeker beaks, which we've uh, we've encountered before, maybe not in this show, um, but they're just little things that uh, you affix to your weapon, and if you hit a flat-footed creature. You deal some precision damage. If you happen to already deal precision damage, like from sneak attack, um, then you can do some bleed. And there are two of them. Tulak inspects the weapon rack to make sure it's not a mimic. (laughs) Another mimic? Yeah, uh, it is not. (laughs) You're good to go. (laughs) How many mimics and how many episodes have we fought? (laughs) Yeah, in our recording. Uh. Yeah, because we did this one, and then right after was was the other one. Yeah. yeah. 
so Tulok says, come look, some talismans here. And plucks them off the weapons. I believe right? it's talisman. Ah. <laughs> I'll throw them in your inventory. And he hands them to the other two. Yeah, Krucker could definitely... Or could he? Yeah, would that be use? It takes like 10 minutes to affix one or something, and then you just... You just, as a free action, if you hit a flat-footed creature, you can just get a tiny bit more of uh, that sweet, sweet yeah, precision take damage. Take that ten minutes. Tulox uses this time to search the room. So I'm gonna give both of them to Krucka then. Yeah, um, I don't think the hand wraps can have. Well, maybe they can. A Wolverine thing. I'm not sure if you could affix them to. Like, oh, is this affixed a weapon? But like, you're technically using an unarmed attack, and you have worn. You know, hand wraps, so they're not weapons. Um, so I don't you gotta get so. that you shield. Could, you could do with your shield, shield attachment. Yeah. yeah. The last time we talked about this was the hunter's brooch. Yep. Well, but, she also uh, has the cooperative blade now. True. Yeah. True enough. All right. Yeah. So you gotta take a look around the room, uh, Tulak, and mm-hmm. um, uh, you do a little search in, and actually, right next to that um, weapon rack, as you're you're looking at it, making sure it's not a. Um, uh, a mimic you find uh, you see like a hook on the wall to the west mm-hmm. um, where you would probably hang like a coat or something and you kind of put your hands along it and you, you give it a little tug and it opens a door in the western wall that was yeah hidden. bitch <laughs> <laughs> you shove that wall it's very scooby doo yeah and within the eyes. Through, through the door is uh, one of our favorites five foot wide hallway but this one goes 15 feet as opposed to the usual 10 to a door to the south. <laughs> Tulak indicates as the other two are affixing their talismans or Krakos and says, this place never never seems to be quite what you think it is. Uh, Gilda will flex her shoulders and, and her fists and take point. Take a listen at the door. Tulak hides behind her, avoiding notice. All right, you listen at the door, you hear nothing, and you're going to crack it? Yeah, she opened. She opened. She opened to a room that uh, is covered in dust from neglect. Narrow chamber of a kind of slightly odd shape. Um, there's a warped wooden wardrobe, a bed, and a footlocker at the end of the bed. She will step in. All right. Steps in. And nothing explodes or sets on fire. (laughs) So she will step in a little further. Shing, 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 shing. More blades come. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this might be some sort of guard chamber because if the listeners don't remember, we just went through, what was that, like like a gate? Like a castle gate that had like murder windows and then... Yeah, like arrow slits. Arrow slits. A murder holes from above. Right. (laughs) A little bit of that hot oil. It's so bad when you say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it? Pour some sugar on me. One of our listeners wanted that. They may not have known it, but they wanted it. (laughs) But they all got it. Shout out, Dave. Yep. Uh, Tulak no. steps in and starts searching the room. For love. Um, <laughs> yeah, taking a look around the room. Um, you, uh, uh, if you open the wardrobe, 
Um, it makes a big creaking noise because it's all warped and, and um, kind of just sitting around for a long time, uh, but there seems to be nothing in it. Uh, looks like it was picked clean. Uh, the bed is also in pretty rough shape. Kind of the mattress and blankets are moldy and rotting. Um, you just have the footlocker. You want to take a look at that? I check it for traps. Of course you do. And there appears and there's to a be door in nothing. the south wall that Guild is going to listen at while they're while they're doing all this, just to see if sure. she hears any rustling behind. Mm-hmm. There is no rustling. Tulak, you crack this little footlocker, and you see uh, inside um, a mid flit, a little pouch. <laughs> uh, there is a book that looks in very delicate, fragile state, and a wide-brimmed red hat with a large black feather. Oh shit! Well, I'd like to take a look at them. Okie dokie. Um, what do you want to look at first? The hat, the pouch, or the book? Book. Two lock. Big book guy. <laughs> Big book guy. You pick up this exceedingly fragile book and you delicately try to open it. Roll me a thievery check. Careful there, two lock. 20. Meat to beat. You just Woo! barely managed to open this without like the pages disintegrating. It is so, so delicate. And inside is a codex of poison formulas. Uh, There's formulas for hunting spider venom, giant scorpion venom, giant wasp venom, and something called malleus root paste. Mm. Not the sort of thing that's very valuable to you guys, but perhaps sellable to someone like Magiloy. Yeah, Tulak turns to the others and says, it's too bad Physic wasn't with us. This would have been right up his alley. For once, he would have what known if, what he was making instead of ending, adding random ingredients together and seeing what happens. He sounded like... What if we fed it to Duffy and started training him to become an alchemist? Little little poison-making backpack you got there? Duffy, you want some num-nums? <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's not the sort of thing I enjoy at all. Uh, oh, I like books like you. Here comes the airplane. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he looks at the hat. I don't feel very well. My tummy hurts. Hush now, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Shh, shh. You're being a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've got the stomach flu. You're still going to hockey practice, Duffy. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. That's the worst. All right, what's with this hat? Did do metal feet come out of the bottom and it just turns into a red, red cap within my hands? Uh, no, but you will need a magic check on the hat. And identify magic. Do a check for where in the world uh, is Carmen uh, San Diego? Yeah, twenty-eight <laughs> occult. Uh, you lift this hat out of the um, uh, out of. The footlocker and Lady Gilda, you might spy it at the, at the, at the corner of your eye, the eye of your corner. I was going to say, and um, the uh, uh, it's remarkably, despite it you know being in color, it is remarkably like what the shadow that almost killed you was wearing, and um, it is a greater hat of disguise. Ooh, yeah, as an ordinary looking hat, but as a as a two action interact action. Um, 
and any number of times a day, so infinite use, I guess, you can cast second level illusory disguise uh, on yourself. Um, while setting up the disguise, you can magically alter the hat to appear as a comb, ribbon, helm, or other piece of headwear. With that, you could be the bell of the ball. <laughs> it's true. And within the pouch, there is a bunch of tiny emeralds worth about 25 gold pieces. Perfect. So you should see the locker there on the map there. You can, you can loot it as you please. I like that Paizo thinks this huge red brimmed hat with a black feather in it is just a normal ass looking hat. <laughs> <laughs> You need to walk down the, the proper district in Absalom, my friend. I'm sure you see all kinds of crazy hats. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a swashbuckler's hat. Like yeah. A little trek through the coins district. Don't you see all kinds of weird shit? <laughs> Let's take a look down here, just in case. Again, I know we're in a secret area, but we don't want anything to be behind us. Gilda, let's just take a quick peek. Uh, and she will take the defend action, take point, and make her way down the hallway. Okay. So you head down, and the hooking to the west, uh, or sorry, to the east, um, starts at, uh, or turns straight into a door pretty much right away. That's obvious from this side, but you did not see from the other side if, uh, with your assumption of this leading to the sort of arena balcony, um, which the assumption is correct. So. This is another secret door, effectively. So you are in a very secret, sort of secure place between those two okay. secret doors. And she will try and figure out how to open it so that if it ever comes down to it, she can open it from the other side as well. Yeah. And it appears to be something similar, like a little little something on the wall, like a like a, a, a torch sconce or something like that. You just give it a twist and it opens up. Such a cliche. <laughs> That's French, listeners. And it works. <laughs> Also French. <laughs> also listeners. Um, <laughs> all right. So you guys are heading back up to the uh, where the shadow was. Yeah, and back to the arrow, like towards that arrow slit room by the weapon rack. Yeah. Tulak will listen, and if he hears nothing, avoid notice and open. Hears nothing. Voice notice opens nothing. Seems to be... has a little uh, empty weapon rack as well. Um, something I probably used to store lots of uh, quivers of arrows and whatnot. And uh, yeah, you can see through the arrow slip, but there is nothing here but dust and cobwebs. Uh, he does a quick search of the room. Nothing. Alright, there's nothing here. Let's try the same on the other side. Heading to the northern side of this, uh, what is uh, in game terms, or in the in the, the story called a security checkpoint, <laughs> as you can imagine, um, heading to the north side. That's TSA, baby. The usual. Yeah, just take off your shoes. Crack the door. A couple more empty weapon racks. Nothing to be seen but another door to the east, which you would assume leads to the other arrow slit. So that means behind that double door is probably the VIP area. Mm. Yeah, you seem to know the floor plan of Mega Dungeons. I've uh, watched. Just- Squid game. I've been to a <laughs> hockey game or two. The heaviest defended areas normally where the famous people hang out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the alcohol is kept. Also that. Uh, Tulak opens the eastern door again. 
And same deal. The only thing different in this room is the uh, the lever that you would have seen before, if I ever recall correctly, that would have opened the uh, portcullis had you mm. been able to reach it. You're telling me Tulak could have mage hand the shit at any point and he let Gilda uh, Hulk out? No, because I don't have mage hand anymore. Yeah. <laughs> don't you have that cantrip deck? The the cantrip dice? Can you? I was actually going to ask about this at some point. Uh, can you use them all for the same cantrip? No, no each, one each. each bone represents oh, one. Yeah, because so I already used that use one. one. It's gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. It says it's here in your. Oh, maybe it doesn't. It doesn't tick them off. Oh, that's stupid. I know it's been super. I wouldn't annoying. want them to get angry. Probably anyways. make a note of each one you've used. <laughs> yes, I should have made a list, but I didn't. Uh, you know, do that. Well, you knew that one, so I trust you now. <laughs> <laughs> How you like me now? <laughs> Uh, okay, so I guess we'll go to uh, the doors in the east, west, okay. west. Yeah, VIP. So the double doors to the west here. Um, and you give a little listen, and you can actually hear a little something. You hear a little squeaking noise and a little like scratching noise. Socialites. And as you're like listening, that. closer and closer, Lady Gilda, you see at your feet this little tiny rodent eking through and under the door and just pop out at your feet. And it looks up at you. It kind of half like sits down and you can Magic see missiles. on its on its back. <laughs> you can see on its back there's like a rolled up note. It flies into a rage. <laughs> Magic <What>? missile rage. <laughs> Lady Gilda just stops on it. <laughs> uh no. Uh, sense motive. Uh, sense motive. Okay. Um, it's, Jeez. Uh, it's it's it appears to be um, you know borderline domesticated. This this little uh, trucker would like to give him as a cookie. It's just and it it seems to be waiting for you to grab the letter. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Gilda will very cautiously reach down. In her mind, at this point, she's thinking this is a familiar, and uh, that's less than ideal. Uh, so she will will retrieve the the scroll or the parchment or whatever it is. Okay. It's just a little letter. I'm going to throw it in your inventory here. Like lowercase. It's a hastily written letter. And feel free to read it anytime. Tulok, Gilda, Crocker. I have had a grave vision one I cannot one I cannot could it be written any smaller (laughs) one I cannot fully understand something will be thrust upon us soon but I do not know when I saw another pale evil light cast across Atari this one much more broadening and all-encompassing I was shown vague Park, parkways, pathways into caves that I cannot enter. You understand. That's that's not a real sentence or or applicable here. <laughs> what what's more is there were thresholds too small for most, but the smallest creatures. I have asked Whirlwin for assistance, and she has sent one of the stone ring druids to a location they believe they recognized from my description. If this letter does indeed find you, follow the path before you, find the druid, return to Otari 
by their guidance before it is too late Rin Sa Rin Rin Savinci you only know one Rin you should know that <laughs> right so that was wonderful poetry Gilda but what does it mean <laughs> the letter very specifically has the word tiny in it. Yeah, I don't know why it has that. I have no idea well, why. Because it, it was a tiny piece of paper on top of yeah, the but I, yeah. I don't know how I got that uh, tagged onto it. I didn't mean to. Oh, because <laughs> it was in the rat's inventory, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. And I, and I probably because I made the rat tiny <laughs> after yeah. I dropped the token. That's so funny. So I was reading it as a tiny piece of paper. <laughs> Uh, Here, all right, point. go ahead and have, go ahead and have your point. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, we lost the dramatic effect of the letter a bit, but <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, okay. I'm also really bad at cold reading, so doing <laughs> stuff like that makes me feel more comfortable about it. So to recap, Rin had a vision about another broader light on Otari, mm-hmm. and then also smaller creatures could come out of some sort of tunnels or caves no, she, she had a she had a, also in the, including in the vision she had she was shown like pathways but she doesn't she's not sure what they are one was in caves and a, a place for small creatures to move through and so she put you understand because you know she's assuming you understand that she can't enter you know caves because of her claustrophobia mm-hmm. but um yeah she uh she asked Warlin for help and Warlin and uh talk to the druids and one of the druids seemed to recognize the description of one of the caves that was in the in her vision and has set out to um, figure out what it all means probably sent the rat through yeah or this is one of the druids the only issue is we don't really want to go back to town well she's asking us as a favor yeah but we don't have time like we don't have a lot of time right now we still have to delve down to the next story and find that fucking guy and bring his head back in two more days. Well, this could be a shortcut, too. Like, we don't know where this leads. The letter's asking us to just continue forward at this point and follow this path, which I'm assuming is the path the rat came from. Yeah, worst case, we find the druid, we tell him suck it, keep going. I mean, you're cer- you're certainly at a, you know, you have a at a crossroads here. Like you have a limited time to figure out how to get Jaffaki for um for what's his face? Uh I forgot his name. Sha- Shaman Shaman boy. Yeah, but, I'm uh, just yeah. saying if once also, gets, yeah, Rin saying come now before Yeah, technically Shafkim is an option optional quest. Yeah. <laughs> True. But you don't know what the rewards might be. Okay, well let's follow and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So Tulak pulls off a little piece of ration and feeds it to said mouse. Show us the way. Okay. And with a little squeak, squeak, squeak of enjoyment, um, it eats it down and then squeezes underneath the door again uh, and starts heading down this, like, 10-foot-wide hallway that continues on and on and on for a while into an unhewn stone cave system. Found the caves. This is beyond the scope of this adventure. (laughs) Uh, you continue to follow it? Yes. Yeah, how long, how much time has passed, would you reckon? Like an hour uh, or like 20 minutes? Yeah, going through the caves is going to take you probably about an hour to arrive. Oh, that's okay. 
So an hour and you arrive at uh, a narrow space where you can see there was there's like a door in the stone ahead of you, but there's a bit of rubble uh, that's been blocking it. And you have to take a little bit of time to clear that away. But it's not too much. It's enough to block the door, but you know, we'll call it like 15 minutes or so. And um, you push the door open and it leads you into a, ca- a cavern or a cave um, with a glowing fire and a druid sitting on a log. And this cave is where you first found Carmen Rajani. Whoa, 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 whoa. Awkward. Where was the door then? <laughs> you didn't spot it. It's a secret oh. door in the cave wall. And uh, this uh, druid stands up with a, a you know, very stoic look on his face and kind of cocks an eyebrow and says, I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect to see you come out of the wall. How did the rat get in then? I'm not sure. I I just sort of let it, gave it uh, the message, cast, uh, cast animal messenger as a spell, and it uh, made its way beneath the rubble all around you, and I haven't seen it since. Interesting. Been a couple of hours, but it seemed to understand where to go. You got the letter from Rin? We did. Have you any further information? Or shall we just head to town? I do not, but what I do know is, since I've arrived, there has been noise outside. I've heard far more nocturnal creatures than usual stirring. And the light of the moon is very, very bright. This might be a weird question. But have you seen Jal, the creature Jol? who was chased out of town? You mean Jal who fell off the cliffs, who died? Yes. No. Good. My mind just appears to be playing tricks on me. Something from the vaults must be affecting me. I'm sorry. Right. And he turns towards the exit of the cave it says you'll want to keep up if you want to get back soon and he starts wait, moving like, at a pretty brisk speed oh yeah as a druid you can't make sense of the noises that are coming outside I've been sitting here waiting it's a lot of noises it's creatures that usually sleep at night I think disturbed by something it was not the case when right. I arrived but it has been on the rise since Time is of the essence. Okay. We'll uh, we'll keep up the best we can. Krug is pretty fleet of foot, but uh, I'm sure I'll uh, I'll be the last one in line. It's not just my mind that is quick. <laughs> <laughs> or my wit. Uh, the druid leads you out to the cave, and as you step outside into the forest, you can see this massive full moon penetrating through the forest canopy. And it is lighting up the the forest far more than than um, most nights. And as the druid moves quite quickly through the foliage, uh, using a, a cool skill called uh, Chameleon Step, 
um, you have a hard time almost following at some points, but uh, you're effectively following this this uh, this druid through the forest, following the leader or following the experts um, as he darts between trees and stays hidden as best as he can. Um, and the more you move forward, the more noises you hear and you keep seeing or thinking you're seeing at the corner of your eye, glowing eyes in the woods too often. Uh, and the more you go, the more the, the druid rushes and looks concerned. And at some point during this hour-long trek back to town, he turns and says, we go straight to Wollowin. Something is not right. Tulak following your lead? Yeah, Tulak nods grimly and says, What is this? Grotian madness. We must hurry. Yeah, the moon hits glowing eyes like big piece of pie. That's Otari. <laughs> 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 so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh you can have a hero point. You have none. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna need it. The, just the cadence in which you said it, I knew what was coming. <laughs> uh and so the druid leads you through the forest, and when you manage to um exit the forest, you are on um the gaunt trail just near uh, Otari and um, as you step out of the road and into the clearing um, you can see the druids have gathered around the stone ring ponds um, at night and Warlewin is sort of like talking to them and, and directing them a bit and uh, as the druid leads you closer and closer you can see uh, of all people uh, Doriana Menhemes the eldest daughter of uh, Osef Menhemes in her pajamas, um, sort of sitting solemnly and a bit melancholy um, on one of the, the stones around the pond um, with a druid sort of watching over her. And you approach Warlowin and the druid um, says a little something in a language none of you understand and Warlowin turns. Oh. Hello, heroes. Welcome. Lady Gilda, Sage, Tulag. Unknowing nod to Krukka. I'm glad you have been found. Something is not right at all. Something has gone very wrong. Tell us, Warlowin. What of the moon? What do you know of this? It brings back old fears. Wolves have been stalking the forest line. Some have... Some of my druids have reported that they are coming in from all sides of Otari. I have sent most of the druids off to try and stop them from approaching the town. Here we are trying to understand what's happening, but there has been some commotion in the town itself. This time of night, sometimes it is just those who have partaken in some drink. But we are keeping a defense on the perimeter for now, hoping for the best within the town. What of the girl... Uh, Miss Menhemas, I'm not sure. I found her wandering past the Stone Ring Pond. Uh, she was entering the forest towards the gauntlets, but I'm not sure why. She doesn't seem to really want to speak to me about it. She seems a bit sad that I wouldn't let her go forward. Tulok 
wants to step up to Warlowin and just kind of take him by the arm and out of earshot of the men he knows girl. Okay. Warlowin's a, a female, by the way. <laughs> Rude. Her. I just thought you were giving him a fun voice. Uh, oh, she's cool. Yeah, she's really cool. It's great she artwork. has eyebrows like my granddad. She's. <laughs> but his are his are purple too. <laughs> just in the bushiness factor. Yeah, yeah. she's the, the listeners she's the, are like six yeah. inches long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's a gnome uh, that is dressed in like a dark cloak and carrying a staff, and he's the bright purple hair and and uh, eyebrows. She's really cool. For our non-US listeners, that's fifteen centimeters. <laughs> Um, so as soon as they're aside, Tulak says, I know we have not come to see you sooner, and I'm sorry for that. We haven't had much time. We've been pushing deeper and deeper into the abomination vaults, as you know, but we have been keeping a secret from you, which maybe now I'm regretting. Jal is alive. We have met him and he is unwell. And, uh, wow, uh, Orlewin is just, like, hit. Just, like, you just punched her in the stomach. She just hangs her head. We've been keeping an eye on you, despite not having met. It is our domain out here anyway, and we see, we see it as our duty to protect Otari. For many reasons. Jaw, of course, being one of the oldest reasons. It is a shame they did not come to tell us, but it is done. We at least have to thank you for dealing with the marsh giant. We had planned to perhaps relocate it. It uh, was causing a bit of a fuss, but um, sometimes nature just balances itself out. We've had your back. But now we need you to step forward again. We cannot afford these wolves to exit the forest any more than they may have already. They are no doubt following this druid wolf. What druid wolf? Jal. Do you not remember the story? It was once one of us. Yes. But he kept his secret. Killed. Until he couldn't hide it anymore. He lied to all of us. So you believe he is at the middle of all this? I I must say that I am shocked that you tell me he's still alive. But it's also the thing that makes the most sense. If you encountered him, somehow reminded him of 30 years ago. Well, the moon is here now. And the wolves are nipping at our heels. It must be him. I have my doubts about that. He seemed to just want to be left alone with his... We did not engage. We did not... uh, attack. We did not remind him of his humanity. All he asked was to be left alone. Well... This... Oh, sorry. I don't know if that's entirely true because we mentioned Otari and he started to flip. 
if I recall correctly. You do recall correctly. He was feral when you found him, but managed to speak when reminded of Otari and barely. And uh, it, it definitely changed his demeanor upon that. Okay. Uh, Gilda doesn't care about being reminded about that, but... Uh... <laughs> doesn't care about it? Doesn't care for it? <laughs> well, she doesn't care for it. Yeah. How can we help? Um, if perhaps you can start by bringing Doriana back to her father, I worry for her safety. Although, you might have to speak with her to see if she's willing to go with you. Uh, from there, I would suggest, of course, getting up the barracks or long saddle or, or someone um, to see if there's any news in town. Well, this sounds tedious. Let's go back down. <laughs> Level six. <laughs> this doesn't seem like it bears a material reward. Two lock. Let's just make it two in one episode. <laughs> Takes out the flask of fellowship yet again. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And kneels in front of Doriana. Is that her name again? Doriana, yep. Doriana, and pulls out a cup and hoping that she wishes for something like hot chocolate. I don't know. If I start giving her like whiskey, pure <laughs> absence. Cool. Yeah, she wants. Yeah, she wants another taste of that wine she stole from the cellar one time. <laughs> Liquid <laughs> LSD. Um, <laughs> that would actually explain a lot about what's yeah. happening right now. Yeah. yeah. So Tulak gives her a glass and says, "I." I'm sorry that you're here right now. Do you require help getting home? We know your father. We have seen you before, actually. I mean, recently, when we came and got the brooch. Perhaps we should take you back to him. And he gives her the glass. What are you doing out here? She lifts her head, like, like sort of barely remembering you. It's like sort of confused look as you say these things and... And you can see that she's like kind of gaunt, a little bit pale, um, but you know, otherwise physically fine, just a little bit like fragile in her like uh, sort of um, posture. And she's holding, you know, of all things, you know, you know, because she's a bit old for for such things. But she has like a plush toy in her hand and in the crook of her arm of a griffin, and she's like holding onto it like a little teddy bear kind of thing like for comfort, and. Um, she takes the cup from you and takes a drink and she's like mm, pink lemonade I, I like that uh, so Tulak rolled a 21 on his diplomacy check so trying to make an impression and yeah. improve her mood towards me and she uh, kind of looks over her shoulder towards her home and then back to the forest and then to you she says, I was, I was only trying to, to see my friend. Who is your friend, child? He's the, the man who visits me. The motley man. He's my friend. It's a fucking vampire. I'm he telling you, me. it's a fucking vampire. She's <laughs> going all Lucy Western on us and shit. <laughs> he gives me gifts like this. And she holds up the griffin. He reminded me of of my old toys. A gift. And this motley man, he Can I do he is he works alone. He, he's not with a crew of any kind. Oh no. 
We go on adventures. We go on adventures when I sleep for the night. It's great. It takes me places to places with palaces and forests and wastelands and danger and, and places where we can overcome those dangers. The motley man. He's my friend. And she seems like tired, but like picked up a bit by talking about him. Does he take you smoking in the boys' room? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Can what I that do means. a check on the significance <laughs> of a griffin, like a like a society or something like that, to see if it it means something, like like yeah. lion is bravery, that this kind is of. This absolutely a vampire, sure. though. You're um, so right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, High moon, control of wolves, fog rolling in, red eyes. <laughs> like, wait till we, wait till we hear Freeman's Gary Oldman. Shit. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can roll me Wesley a um, uh, yeah, just roll me roll me what you think is most appropriate. Uh, I rolled a heraldry, a lore heraldry. You, you would imagine a griffin is definitely re- like related to um, honor and they're like very noble beasts and that sort of thing. Um, and certainly lines up with uh, the idea of, of like going on adventures and like overcoming dangers. But what it really doesn't line up with is a name like the Motley Man or like, de- you know, uh, dream adventures um, and things like um, wastelands. There's a there's uh, something not lining up with that. And you think maybe the griffin, the, the, uh, the, uh, the symbol of a griffin is not related to the situation here. You're quite positive of it. Tulok would There's like something to, more to it than just what detect magic. Uh, detect magic. We, oui. I mean, you do detect magic. There's magic pretty much all around you, especially with the Stone Ring Pond. Uh, but... And the pink lemonade in her hands. Tulak, <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Tulak, uh, to, specifically, Tulak knows about the magic from the ring, knows about the magic from the pink lemonade and most other things, so we'll exclude that from his detection. Okay. Um, Just tear open the teddy bear and search it for drinks. <laughs> we all know that's where you're going. <laughs> the Motley Man give you this? You, uh, you do Tulak, detect... D-E-A. You detect... Uh, Excuse me. Um, enchantment magic. Ooh. Enchanté. Um, so, Vampire. and Tulak would also like to roll, while I'm at it, a occultism check on the girl just to see if there is anything controlling her or if okay. she looks some sort of way, whether it's like werewolf-esque or vampire-esque. I will roll that. Just check her neck, you know. Do do a physical <laughs> do a physical inspection to make sure she's okay. Yeah. Um, as you uh, are sort of watching her and trying to understand the situation, you see her kind of like, um, you know, her attention wanes a bit, and she starts to you know kind of shift the uh, griffin, a plush griffin in her in her hands, and you noticed you notice a series of bruises around her right wrist. Um, that seem to actually form a vague amount of script, but you can't you can't read it. However, in your 
occult studies to Locke, you recognize some of the script as related to rituals that involve dream traveling. Hmm. Where do you meet this motley fellow? Do you always meet him in the woods? Or does he come to your house? Is this the first time you've gone this way? I think so. I don't know. Sometimes I wake up and I don't know how I got into another room. And father is a bit concerned, but I just wanted to come out this time to see him, to see him here. Usually he comes to me in the night. How do you know where to find him? Where do you see in your visions? She holds up the griffin and says, this was guiding me to it. Mm. Steal the griffin, put on the hat of disguise, and we'll follow it where it goes like a divining rod. <laughs> that's actually yeah, good, yeah. I, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Tulak is going to say, do you mind if I see your griffin? Sure. He's one of my favorites. She just hands it straight to you. And as soon as it's in your hands, you can tell there is something hard and heavy sewn inside of it. Too Make long. Duffy fight it. <laughs> <laughs> Pop it, combat! <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up now. <laughs> Prepare for your death, stuffed griffin. I will eat your soul. <laughs> I didn't hear no bell, bitch. Your soul is mine. <laughs> yeah, Tulok is going to... I would like to attempt a stealth or a thievery check to very quickly extract whatever is inside of this griffin without her knowing. Okay. Uh, it will be a thievery check. You're not going to be able to do it this without actually damaging this this stuffed animal. I think Tulak's just straight up going to do it. He's going to okay. open. Yeah, he's going to use that thievery check, and he is going to attempt to take out the item. Nineteen. Uh, okay. Um. Yeah, you, like, dig your finger into, like, the seam of this thing and just start pulling the stitches out. Like, you probably just turn away a little bit, and Doriana seems, like, kind of distracted. Her her her, her eyes kind of go back towards the forest um, as you're doing this. So she doesn't notice right away, um, and when you get a, enough of a hole in there to get your fingers inside, you could feel this, like, cold sort of stone. And when you pull it out, it's a large... Uh, bright red ruby. Ooh. Roll me... Actually, I'm going to roll something for you. Probably the um, spell component of some sort, right? Yeah, you're actually, you're not sure of the significance. Like, why Why would there be a ruby in here? I mean, it's like, it's worth like probably 30 gold, if not more. Okay. Yeah, And it's like, by the way, it, it's like flawless. It's like a beautiful, beautifully cut ruby. Do I feel the pull still from the ruby? Uh, no. Oh, intriguing. Okay. Well, so now we've lost our ability to find... Like, do I feel the pull from the griffin still? You or do I just never, destroy You've it? never felt any pull. What? Nope. 
I thought you said when I had it in my hands. No, you felt the weight of it. I felt the weight uh, of the gravity yeah. effects. Oh, okay. My bad. Like there was like, why is this griffin got something hard and heavy inside? Like, Copy that. Sense. Okay, yeah. so Tulok will hand it back to her and say, I'm very sorry about your present. I... It must Hand have it to Krugga and have him sew it back up with his crafting skill. <laughs> he, he can do that. Yeah, my friend will fix it here and hands it to Krugga. Krugga rolled a 28 while he, he's trying to distract her while he's doing oh. it. I like pink lemonade too. It's it's like you made lemonade bleed. Yeah. The seam <laughs> disappears when he's done. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she just seems appreciative that you've uh, found... Uh, a hole in it and are willing to fix it. She's t- totally cool with that. Just not not really paying attention. Tulak pulls out the ever-burning torch and says, come, let's get you home, girl. Before that, can I just do a quick medicine check as like a physical inspection? Um, you said she looks yep. like kind of pale and gaunt, so I think Gilda would want to um, yeah. like, you know, perform an EMT's uh, Sure. Yeah, uh, she seems inspection. she seems perfectly um, healthy to you, but like uh, showing signs of restlessness because she's probably been sleepwalking. So, or she's been sleeping, but like not really resting. And the bruises along her wrist are really strange, especially since they seem to form some sort of script. Um, okay. And she's like usually quite like she's touching them a lot, and uh, but she doesn't seem to be very she's conscious. A vampire familiar who got in a fight with the printing press. <laughs> um, can I do a society check to try and determine what language the they are in? Um, yeah, you would guess, especially with Tulok's little bit of knowledge and what they're connected to ritual-wise, that uh, it's something like well beyond all of you, but it might be related to Aklo, but it, you're pretty sure it's also not necessarily Aklo. Okay. It's really, really strange and like inconsistent. I got nothing else. Are we going to leave her here? Are we going to escort her home? Are we going to attack these wolves? Are we going to go back to the gauntlet? Like, there's. Are we going to follow up with Rin? Like. Uh, hold on. So, I would like to cast Comprehend Language and try to read it. Oh, do you have that at a level now where you can read? Because we made that mistake before, didn't we? No, we've. I can understand. Oh, okay. As if hearing. Okay. The target can understand the meaning of a single language. It is hearing or reading when you cast a spell. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Go for it. Cast Boom. away. Cast That's it. what he's best at. Um, so when you cast this, you realize that um, it's not really a language. It looks like one. But it's runes, it's like all this series of runes that represent these strange things you don't understand. However, within those runes, there is, in fact, a word that can be read, a single word. And it simply says, Lang. L-E-N-G. Ooh, Lang. So that's a, um, is it a plane? Uh, roll me a cult. Is it a bird? <laughs> 28 baby nice mm. uh, Lang is um, a 
name for the, uh, a, I think it's a pocket dimension or a, par, a, a, a sort of part of the dimension of dreams. A very, very, very dangerous place in which creatures known as denizens of Lang are known to live and exist, but sometimes cross over to the material plane to fuck with others. I've seen something like this long ago. It was in old Lang Syne. Oh, no. No hero point for that. Screw you. <laughs> um, so, Tulak, ever burning torch in hand, turns to. Uh, well, informs everyone and then turns to Warlowin and says, What do you want of us now? You're going to take this girl home. Where do we find this. Leader of the Wolves, do you have any more details? I'm waiting to hear back from um, all of the druids. Like I said, we should take her to her father and, and talk to Captain Longsaddle. It's probably the best route to take. I think time is of the essence. Send if... me a message if you can. I, I have people out already, but again, most most of them are watching the tree line. I fear, I fear that we will have many come out of the trees. And again, I don't know how many have already. If you look down over the cliff, look, you can see some lights, but not nearly as many as there usually is. The town is too quiet, and I don't know why. The and town should be loud and the forest quiet. We have Tulloch, the opposite. Tulak turns to Lady Gilda and Kruka and says, We must protect Otari. We must protect it over going back at this time. That is what we are here for. Well, the wolf is at the door. Better answer. Uh, I, I, you probably, you guys wouldn't know this, like you know, just from looking at the map yourselves. But I have shut off a bunch of lights in town. Like you can only see a little bit uh, uh, down by the Donflower Library, the Tamley's Fishery, uh, by the Garrison, and by one of the manors, and that's it. Normally, the other, the other uh, pubs and bars would be open. People would be. It's not even late at night. It's like. Um, like quarter to ten at night. It's not that late. So light pollution's at a minimum. Sh- Let's go stargazing. <laughs> <laughs> you could even see across the way that the Menhima's Manor lights are off. Uh, Gilda will pick up Doriana and start making her way towards the Menhima's Manor. Okay. Uh, you take the march over and approach. Um, so like passing the main entrance of Otari and going up around the other cliff and um, you uh, as you do you see that the horses for Galantine deliveries are not in the stable outside and you can even peer over to the farmer's guild where usually there's some livestock um, and there are none outside as well um, and the town looks quiet and dark and as you approach the uh, Menhemus Manor gate there is a town guard standing there, um, alert and like recognizes you and waves you down. This is super creepy, um, but it reminds me of when I was living in Taiwan and they had like typhoons roll in. Everybody would stay inside and board up their shops and, you know, kind of hunker down. But the first time it happened, or actually pretty much every time, I don't know, I was young, I was walking around and it would be like you're in a zombie movie. 
and what once was you know a four lane on either side road main road is just completely empty and there's no yeah. people anywhere and you're in a huge city and you see no one and it's like such an unnerving feeling and that's kind yeah. of what i'm getting by this <laughs> yeah all right so uh the, the town guard like flags you down and says oh hello lady gilda oh you found doriana oh that's that's great news that's great oh please please bring her in bring her in what can you tell us about the situation here Everything seems so desolate. I'm not really sure. It's, uh, it's um, well, we had some reports from some of the town guard that there were some uh, strange shadows and, and, and things walking about in, in town, but we weren't, we weren't sure what it was. Um, when uh, Longsaddle decided to sound an alarm, um, because the reports started saying that there was dogs walking about or... And, and or a wolf perhaps in fact there was apparently a spotting of one that walked on two legs and um, we thought it was strange uh, we came up here to talk to Menhemes who was in a panic because Doriana was missing thank, thank the gods you've brought her back but he marched down the road into town muttering something about Rajani he seems to think he was responsible for, for, for Doriana missing um, but um I was told to stay here by Gerald as Longsaddle uh, uh, went back into town and, and Gerald uh, went to see where Menhemus went. All right. And it's like, there's a couple other guards inside and uh, as you bring her in and they're all, they have all been instructed to sit there and like take, take care of the place. But all the, and they were told to shut all the lights off. Um, and uh, he says, and I've, I've noticed that there's, there seems to be noises on the skirts of town, even by the giant's wheel in the flume, glowing eyes in the dark. Like wolves hunting. I'm starting to get a little freaked out. It might be in everyone here's best interest to make their way into town as well. As fortified as this building is, it's still quite remote comparatively. And will be stronger in numbers in case anything does happen. Perhaps making your way to either the garrison or the fishery. Or even the, the Churtel Manor. Uh, Churtel would probably be our best offensive position. Um... Oh, we're under orders to stay here and protect the family. I feel it might be a risk to bring them along, but you're not wrong. The garrison is close by. I suppose I could do that. Maybe. Um, you take him to the garrison. We'll escort you there. And then from there, we'll find Longsaddle and Gerald. And I'll have one of them report back to you. And uh, roll me a diplomacy. 25. Ooh, nice. He says, all right, all right, we'll do it. He turns to the butler and the family and says, gather just a few things. We're, we're going to go to the garrison. The garrison only, mind, he turns to Gilda. I, I know it'll be safe there, but I, I don't want to risk going too far. I, we don't know what's in town. Things looking about. I don't want to take the risk. That's wise. That's very wise. Uh, and she will stand guard, shield up side by side with this, this guardsman until the they're ready. Um, and if uh, if Krug and Tulak want to go ahead, she she'll, you know, happily let them. But she's staying with the Menhemas at this point. Yeah, Menhemas like wife is like holding the hands of a couple more children, and they have like a nurse nursemaid that's like holding a baby, trying to hush it because there's a tension, and even the baby can kind of feel it. And um, and everyone kind of gets ready to to go. They're all really nervous because like they're also just bolted at a here in a panic and freaking out and the guess the guard and the guard showed up saying there's like stuff happening and everyone's really really worried everyone's favorite 
an escort mission. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you head down the uh, road back towards the entrance uh, to Otari, and you come to the the head road that uh, goes by Galantine Deliveries, and as you are walking, you hear howls. You hear howls from over the cliff, over by the druids. You hear howls launching over from the other side, past the giant's wheel. You hear howls inside the town, further in. And then you hear the whinnying of horses from inside the building of Galantine's delivery. And howls and howls and shrieks and bays. And it sort of turns into a cacophony of like this, a chorus of voices joining and then silence and everyone's hackles are raised everyone is terrified the family nearly bolts it the guards try to settle them down but they are not not prepared and that's what we're going to call it Stemming the Tide is an actual play podcast of the Adventure Path Abomination Vaults and is produced by the Uncharted North Network. Stemming the Tide uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo Inc. used under Paizo's community use policy. We are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Stemming the Tide is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Music is composed by Will Savino and artwork by Greyhood. Stemming the Tide is recorded remotely using Foundry Virtual Tabletop. If you wish to connect with us or support this project and projects to come, we can be found at UnchartedNorth.ca, Patreon.com slash UnchartedNorth, and on all major social media platforms. Links to all credits can be found in the episode description and our website. Thanks for tuning in.